Welcome to the Palm Harvest Podcast. We are a community in Costa Mesa, California. To know more about us, visit our website, palmharvest.com. To follow along with today's message, download the Palm Harvest app and click on Sermon Notes. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Palm Harvest Broadcast. I'm Pastor Mike. I'm super glad that you're tuning in with me today. Church, do you have an opinion about what is taking place here in the United States involving our current election right now among the various government positions? You know, show of hands, are any of you closely watching sort of this presidential election brouhaha that is filled with all kinds of drama these days in our social media outlets. You know, another question, show of hands, how many of you are consumed by it? Anybody? You know, how many of you find yourself maybe feeling a little agitated by it? Anybody? You know, there is crazy stuff happening right now in the United States. And so I think it's fitting for us uh, to dialogue together to get today on the subject of confronting chaos. And that's the title of my message today, Confronting Chaos. Most of you know that we started not too long ago this new sermon series called Discover God. It's a, it's a series where we are kind of working our way through the book of, uh, in the Bible, the book of Romans, which was a letter that one of the early church leaders, a pastor, a guy by the name of Paul, was writing to these Christians who were living in the city of Rome during the days of the early church. I've shared with you that months ago when God laid it upon sort of my heart and my mind to, to lead us through the book of Romans, uh, full disclosure, I wasn't totally uh, jazzed about it. Uh, I've shared with you how over the past 30 years, you know, I've led studies out of the book of Romans. I've, I've preached sermons from the book of Romans, but I've never in, in 30 years of, of pastoral ministry ever gone kind of from start verse one to all the way to, to the very end, largely because it's just this really deep theological kind of heady um, book of the Bible. Well, now that we are moving our way, we find ourselves today in chapter three, I'm now beginning to sort of realize maybe why God wanted us as a family to dive into the book of Romans because it is, I think, super relevant to many of the issues that we are facing today right here in the United States. And so uh, in this uh, Bible story that we're going to look at today, kind of the verses, uh, you're going to find, I, I propose, you're going to find them very relevant to sort of the political drama uh, of our current situation. And so confronting chaos 
is the title of my message. And the big idea that I want you to sort of simmer on today in this conversation is this. And so if you have your uh, Palm Harvest app notes and you want to write down, uh, do, this is what it is. And that is, we are all under the power and control of sin. We are all under the power and control of sin. And apart from Christ, I am helpless to escape it. That's what we're going to talk about today. We are all, you and me, and the world that we live in, we are all under the power and control of sin. And apart from Christ, we are helpless to escape it. Now, if you have a Bible, uh, turn in it to the book of Romans chapter 3. So, most of you know I read out of the New Living Translation. I like to use the paper, paper form, although uh, there's a great, you know, lots of good Bible apps that you can... Uh, tune into on your digital device. But I want you to pick up with me uh, in our story. We're going to start, I'm going to start reading at verse, at verse nine. Okay. So this is what Paul writes. Um, but before actually, before he, I dive in, let's, let me just pause for prayer because I think this is, uh, it'll be helpful. So join me for prayer. Our Heavenly Father today, as we gather together across this nation, we want to learn from you. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us through your Holy Spirit to understand uh, uh, what we are reading, and then God, help us to understand in such a way that we can apply what we're learning in our daily life. This is our prayer to get together today. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said, amen. Okay, Romans chapter 3, verse 9. Check it out. This is what we read. So Paul writes, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? So remember, Paul is writing to Jews. He says, no, not at all, for we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. So what's he saying? He says, we are all under the power of sin, right? You are and I are. We are all under the control of sin. You are and I are. That's what he's, he's saying here. Whether Jew or Gentile, we are all under the power and control of sin. And so when I look at the landscape really of, of the world these days. When I, when I turn on the television news or when I you know, check my social media feed, it seems to me at least like sin and its power is winning the battle over people. Would you agree with that? Now, before you or I start maybe sort of feeling high and mighty, before we, maybe we become judgmental of the things that we're seeing around us, Paul is reminded us here in this verse that we are all, we are all influenced by sin. And apart from Christ, we are helpless to escape it. So let's keep reading. So he says, no one is righteous. <laughs> That's got good news. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Church, this is not very good news that Paul is declaring here. He was reminding his readers, he is reminding you and me that we all have a tendency to want to do our own thing. And when we do our own thing, when we cave to sin, this is the end result, point number one in your app notes. And that is sin creates chaos. Sin creates chaos. You know, this last Sunday, uh, 
my youngest daughter, Robin, our, our youngest daughter, Casey, invited the whole Decker clan up to her house uh, up in Torrance where uh, she invited us all to gather for a meal. She and her, her boyfriend, Casey, uh, cooked a meal for all of us. And as we were finishing up the main course, and as you know, everybody started, started cleaning the dishes off the, off the table uh, and in preparation for dessert, a great dessert that Robin had made, and Casey had this homemade ice cream that we were going to put on top of it, I, I realized that I had a quarter uh, in, in my pocket. And so I, I, I pulled this, my, my quarter out of my, my pocket, and I, and I, I challenged uh, the kids to kind of this goofy game. And, and basically what this game involves, it, it involves spinning a quarter. And so let me just kind of illustrate it here on, on this stand. Maybe some of you have, have, have played this game before, but the whole idea is to take this quarter and to spin it. And, and once this quarter is spinning, uh, as it kind of moves around the table, the goal is for the, everybody around the table to keep flicking it in order to keep the, the spin going. Well, a, another version sort of of this game involves taking this quarter and, and once it starts to spin, you try to stop the quarter with your finger while it's standing up. So let me see if I can do this. Let's try this. Spinning. Try it again. Here we go. Spinning. See that? Easy speezy. Not too hard at all. Now, church, think about this. What happens to the spin of a quarter once it starts to lose speed? Anybody? You know what happens to, to, to the spin of the quarter once it starts to kind of slow down? It starts to do what? It starts to wobble, doesn't it? It's, and eventually, it'll fall over like we saw on that first take. Now, here's my point. Sin creates a wobble in our life. Sin discombobulates things. Sin throws us off balance. And if unrestrained, sin will eventually produce and wreak havoc in our lives. And chaos will be the outcome. You know, when I survey, again, the landscape of our world like right now, I just see a lot of people who are living their lives in chaos. Would you agree with me? Now, apparently, um, Rome, in the days of Paul, when he wrote this letter too, also had chaos. And, and, and so, here's the cool thing about God's Word. God's Word is timeless, right? That's what makes God's Word God's Word. And so, because God's Word, because God's word is timeless, what we read here, Paul's instruction to, to these Jewish Christians living in Rome in, a, in, a, in an environment of, of chaos, it still has relevance to your life and, and mine as well. And, what I, and, and, and I say that, and I'm going to prove that to you, because in these next set of verses that we are going to read, Paul, I want you to notice how Paul identifies six chaotic outcomes that we should be on guard against. The first of which, letter A in your notes, is what I'm calling self-centered opinion. Okay, so write that down. I think the first thing that Paul calls us to look out for when we're in an environment of chaos is self-centered opinions. Look again at verse, I'll just, I'm going to start reading again at verse 11, okay? So he says, no one's righteous, no, no one, not even one, no one is truly wise, no one is seeking God. <laughs> 
Now simmer on that. No one is seeking God. He says, all have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Now church, think about this. If a person is not seeking God, that's what Paul says here. He says, no one is seeking God. No one's truly wise. If a person is not seeking God, what are they seeking? Well, they're probably seeking their own desires, right? If I'm not pursuing what God wants in my life, whose agenda am I pursuing? I'm pursuing my own agenda, aren't I? What, when I am mostly concerned about what I want, when I focus on, on my desires, I'm suggesting that that truth, that reality will show up in my opinions. And one of the ways that I can determine whether or not I am falling prey to sort of the self-centered mindset that Paul is referencing here is when I stop listening to other people's perspective. So evaluate yourself. You know, when I stop offering my, my ear, when I stop being objective, when I stop maybe sort of giving other people's opinion credence and sort of just block them out, I'm suggesting that I'm beginning to move into this realm of self-centered opinion, meaning my truth is only what matters, right? Church, when you or I lose our ability to give people respect and space to articulate what they believe, even when we don't agree with them, when we start closing our ears, I'm suggesting we can know that sin is lurking in the neighborhood. Because self-centered opinions is one marker, one chaotic outcome of sin. Letter B. A second chaotic outcome that Paul warns us to be on lookout, the lookout for is what I'm calling inflammatory words. Okay? Inflammatory words. Deceptive, venomous, spewing. Inflammatory words. Deceptive, venomous, spewing. Look again at what Paul writes here in, in verse 13. In fact, I'm going to go back to verse 11 and, and we'll get to verse 13. So follow along as I read it. He says, no one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Verse 13. He says, their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Church, when you and I are in an environment of, of, of sin, there will be a retaliatory sort of venomous spewing, inflammatory words. And so ask yourself sort of this question. When you evaluate yourself, do you struggle with holding your tongue? You know, in this world of politics right now, I'm observing a lot of inflammatory words. Are you? I mean, there just seems to be a whole lot of deceptive, venomous spewing going on. 
And what that showcases for me simply, again, reinforces the truth that Paul is teaching us here in this verse, is that sin creates chaos. All right, verse 14. So Paul says, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Church, if a person is doing a whole lot of cursing and their words are motivated by a heart of bitterness, what does that look like? What chaotic outcome is Paul describing for us here? I like to suggest that what Paul is describing here, letter C in your notes, is retaliatory speech. Retaliatory, retaliatory speech. That's a, that's a mouthful. Now ask yourself this question. Is retaliatory speech being spewed these days in any of your social circle, circles? You know, are you guilty of lambasting people with bitter words. Sin creates chaos. And one of the attributes that Paul warns us to be on our guard against is retaliatory speech. Speech come, that comes from a heart of, of, of darkness and judgment and, and maybe even criticalness. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 15 and 16. He says they rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. So what's the outcome is Paul addressing here? I think the sinful outcome that Paul is describing here in, in verses 15 and 16, when he talks about rushing to commit murder and how destruction and misery always follow them, is this letter D in your notes. I think Paul is saying, Destructive activities, right? He's, he's calling it out by name. Destruction and misery always follow them. Church, Paul is telling us, now don't miss this, Paul is telling us that no one does good, not even one. Paul is reminding his, his Jewish Christians, these Jewish Christians living in Rome, he's reminding you and me because God's word is timeless that we're all guilty of self-centered opinions. We're all guilty of expressing ourselves with inflammatory words, with deceptive, venomous spewing. Paul reminds us that we're all guilty of using retaliatory speech and guilty of engaging in destructive activities. And he tells us here in verse 17 that the, the, the people of this world... The people at your workplace, the people in your, in your social circles, he says they don't know what true peace is. Letter E, they're experiencing a lack of peace. A lack of peace. And verse 18 tells us, he tells us that when sin is let loose, people will show this disregard for God, which is a sixth outcome of, of sin. A disregard for God. And church, when I survey where America is right now, where most of us are at right now, <clears throat> in my opinion, I think this describes kind of this political world that we're living in. Now listen to me on this, okay? 
And this is point number two in your notes. Self-righteousness blinds me. Self-righteousness blinds me. Friends, the timely truth of this Bible passage reminds us that we're all impacted by sin's power. We are all guilty before God. But check this out. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed how as humans we have this amazing ingenuity to justify our sin? Somehow what I do, or somehow what I'm saying, or somehow my thoughts, or somehow my actions aren't as bad as everybody else, right? I somehow, they're the bad guy and I'm the good guy. Why? Because self-righteousness blinds me. Self-righteousness blinds you. But know this, no matter how minor your sins might be, no, how, no matter how minor my sins might be, friends, they're still fatal. The consequence of sin, big sin or bad, little sin, is still going to be death. <clears throat> and that's not good news, is it? So let me give you some. Okay, I'm going to wrap up with this, point number three. And that is, Jesus recalibrates. Jesus restores. Jesus recalibrates, Paul is going to tell us here, and he's going to tell us that Jesus restores. Look at what he writes in verse 20. He says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. And he just articulated six ways that you and I fall down. But here's the good news, verse 22, 21. He says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God. Listen up. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. In Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Friends, Paul reminds us here in this set of verses that we're all under the power and control power and control of sin. And what he wants his readers to know, what he wants you and me to know is that God is bigger than my baggage. Hallelujah. God is stronger than my sin. Paul is saying there's no way you can keep keep the law. There's no way you can live your life perfect because you are broken, you are sin, sinners, you are tainted. But the good news that Paul reminds us is, is if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he reminds us that Jesus recalibrates. Jesus restores. And that's good news. Amen? You know, back in the 1700s, and I'm going to close with this story. <clears throat> Back in the 1700s, living in England was this pastor by the name of William Jay. How many of you have ever heard of William Jay? <clears throat> well, William Jay was this preacher, <clears throat> and apparently William uh, was a guy who, who pastored a congregation called Argyle Chapel. It was located in, in the city of Bath, England. 
Bath, England, some of you might know, was known for its sort of this Roman uh, Roman baths or these Roman-built thermal baths that were heated by these uh, you know underground hot springs. Still to this day, you can go to Bath, England, and and probably sit and soak uh, in in these in these uh, bathhouses. But in the in the here's a quick trivia question for you. Anybody have any idea how many years uh, William J. pastored his congregation? at Argyle Chapel. Any guesses? 60 years. <laughs> Can you believe that? I thought 21 years at Palm Harvest Church was a long time. I guess, <laughs> I guess I got a ways to go, right? Well, during the 1700s, for 60 years, Pastor Jay gained no, his notoriety, so to speak, for uh, primarily one thing. Do you know what it was? Pastor Jay gained really local fame and, and, and spread across uh, really the continent that he would welcome anyone into his chapel regardless of their religious denomination, regardless of their spiritual background, or even their social rank. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. Pastor Jay was widely known as this welcoming nonconformist preacher. Well, when he was an old man, he famously preached these words, and I promise you I'll close with this. He says, my memory is failing. My memory is failing, but there are two things that I never forget. That I'm a great sinner, and that Jesus Christ is a great Savior. I'm a great sinner, William J. said, and Jesus Christ is a great Savior. Church, Paul is writing this letter to you and to me to remind us to never underestimate the power of sin. But he's also writing and encouraging us to never underestimate the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. Yes, it's true that sin creates chaos. And yes, it's true that self-righteousness blinds me. But it is also true and most importantly true, that when I put my faith in Jesus, He will recalibrate me. That through His love and forgiveness and grace, He will restore me. And He invites us and actually will empower us, you and me, to confront chaos. And friends, that's good news. No, that's great news. And so in closing, I'm going to have David begin to play because I want he's going to be off camera. And then after we're done, when I'm done here, David's going to lead us in, in one final song. But as, as, as David plays, I want us to just stop for a moment and let's ask God for his help. Are you up for that? So think about this. Where are you struggling? When you look at this list of six chaotic sins, these six chaotic outcomes that Paul identifies and that I'm suggesting are still very much prevalent in our day to day, which one do you wrestle with? Which one or two or three trips you up? Will you just take a moment right now wherever you might be, and would you just open the palms of your hands 
And as you open the palms of your hands, it's, it's sort of symbolic of the reality that you're opening your heart, you're opening your mind to God. And right now, if it's helpful, close your eyes and would you just offer up a prayer, just a silent prayer, and say, Heavenly Father, will you forgive me? Ask God right now for his forgiveness. Which of these chaotic sins are tripping you up? Ask God to forgive you. And then ask God for wisdom for navigating these crazy days. To say, God, I confess to you today that I am in the realm of chaos. As sin is creating chaos, God, I admit to you today that I'm right there in the middle. And so, Father, I come before you today asking for forgiveness from you fill in the blank. God, I'm asking that you would forgive me and empower me to do better, to hold my tongue, to be more generous with my positive attitude. Lord, help me to be a better listener. Help me to try to understand people's perspective. Help me to try to understand before trying to be understood. God, please help me. Please work in me. Please transform me. Maybe you're watching today and, or listening today and you have never asked Jesus to be a part of your life. But you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to recognize that there is chaos in this world. And you don't really need to be a follower of Jesus necessarily to recognize that maybe there's chaos in your own life. And so if you've never asked Jesus to, to come into your life, to, to, to invite him sort of open the door of your heart and your mind to say, Jesus, will you forgive me and will you, you know, transform me into the person that you want me to be? Then I want to encourage you to right now, just do that. It's not complicated. You just say, God, as much as I know how, I'm offering my heart to you. I'm offering my mind to you. I'm offering my whole self to you. And I'm help, asking you to help me navigate and confront chaos. Because in my own strength, God, I can't do it. In my own strength, God, I'm falling down. And so as much as I know about Jesus, I'm asking Jesus right now to come into my life and to be my Savior and to be my Lord. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer maybe for the first time or maybe for some of you, you've rededicated your life and you're not really sure about what your next steps might be, I want to encourage you to reach out to me. You can send me a, uh, an email at mike at palmharvest.com and I'll be quick to respond. Or on your app, there's a place for you to fill out a connection card. Again, there's an opportunity for, for you to fill that out and I'll just give you kind of some next steps to help you, to help you grow. Now, as David gets ready to lead us in this final worship song together, as we try to recalibrate and God invite Jesus to restore and recalibrate our lives, let me just give you two quick announcements, really one. For this holiday season here in Palm Harvest in the Costa Mesa, Orange County uh, area, we are trying to adopt 
10 families that we want to personally invest in to make their Christmas better. In fact, most of you know Coach Bar Mike Bargus is a part of our church, and Mike is the varsity head coach. He's the head football coach at Estancia High School, which is our local high school, uh, one of the local high schools here, here in Costa Mesa. And Mike is... Uh, and his booster, you know, family are going to try to identify 10 families that they can invest in this Christmas season. Families who might be scuffling a little bit and they just, we just want to share the love of Jesus with them in a tangible way. And so here's what we're going to do. In fact, Yumi, Yumi Patterson, she coaches, she's also part of our church family and she's, she's overseeing the cheer, uh, Cheer, cheerleaders and stuff and that whole program, we want to identify uh, maybe some families within that cheer community as well. And so here's where you and I can, can jump in. If you are in a place right now where you have a little excess in your life and you want to go down to maybe Target or Subway or you know, your favorite food joint and buy a, a, a kind of a, a gift card, I would love for you to do that. And then if you want to bring it to the church office, uh, or for those of you who are out of state, if you want to mail it, uh, you can do so at 740 West Wilson Street uh, here in Costa Mesa, 92627. And uh, we will, uh, I'll pass these gift cards on to Yumi or, or to Brooke, which is uh, Mike Bargus's wife, and uh, they will see uh, that families who are really in need can, can feel the love of Jesus through us as 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 God's church. And so thank you for your generosity. And thank you in advance for stepping in and confronting chaos. Because friends, our world needs it. And as we lean on God, and as we invite him to recalibrate and restore our own hearts, we can be a resource of hope to those around us. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll see you next week. falls and won't prevail Cause that God I serve knows only how to triumph My God will never fail My God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Oh.
victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for
Thank you for listening to the Palm Harvest podcast. We would love to get to know you. So download the Palm Harvest app for free and fill out our connection card. Your continued support helps us spread hope around the world. You can also give in our app and find out more about our community.